Hebrews 11 is this great chapter giving us these wonderful examples of those who walked by faith. Those who walked by faith. You'll remember the first verse. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is the assurance. It is the assurance and the confidence of things that we cannot see. Remember, faith deals in the realm of the future. It also deals in the realm of the invisible. If it's something we can see, then it's not of faith. If it's something that's already happened, well, it's not of faith. We are dealing here with that which is the future, but also that which is invisible. And we've looked at these different characters that are given us in this passage. In the first, of course, particular Bible character that was mentioned by name is Abel. Abel. Then there was Enoch. The last we looked at was Noah. Today we'll be looking at Abraham. But I want you to remember that as we look at these passages, we are considering how faith responds. How does faith respond? We go back to Noah. How does faith respond to God's warnings? How did Noah respond? Noah was warned of God, the things not seen as yet. How does faith respond to God's warnings when they maybe don't make sense to us? Or when no one else agrees? Or when nothing seems to happen? How long was Noah building that ark? And there was no rain. But when it did rain, he was prepared for the saving of his house. We go back and we think of Enoch. Enoch. Enoch was one who pleased God. And how did he please God? He walked with God. He walked with God. There was Abel. How does faith respond to God's prescription? What had God prescribed as far as a sacrifice? It was to be a blood sacrifice. Abel brought a sacrifice that was more excellent, the Bible says, than Cain. How does faith respond to God's prescription? But what about when I bring my best? Is not my best good enough? Listen, I'm sure um, Cain didn't bring the seconds of his fruit and vegetables. Cain brought his best, but it wasn't what God had prescribed. And Cain's offering was rejected. We come here today, though, to the life of Abraham. And there is considerable length given in this passage to Abraham. There are two main characters, if you'll note, in chapter 11. Abraham, and then later on in the chapter, Moses. There's considerable considerable time given to him in this chapter. And so I want us to begin by looking at verse 8, and I'm going to read down through verse 19. Beginning of verse 8, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, not knowing whither he went, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, 
dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Here's the account of Abraham. You might wonder why so much time was given to Abraham. Abraham is a very important figure, important person. I want us to go back because we're talking about faith in this chapter. We're talking about faith. And I want us to go back and to note what the Bible says in Romans chapter 4 about Abraham and about his faith. <clears throat> Romans chapter 4. If you remember the first three chapters of, of Romans, Paul is there establishing the fact of universal guilt. All are sinners. All are guilty before God. But there at the end of chapter 3, about halfway through chapter 3 towards the end, he says that there is a righteousness that is apart from works. A righteousness that God accepts that has nothing to do with the law. In fact, it is a righteousness apart from the law. Because in verse 20 of chapter 3, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified or no flesh be made righteous in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. What is the purpose of the law, folks? The purpose of the law is to define sin and to note sinners. To let us know that we come short of the glory of God. The law can only say one thing to us and it is guilty, guilty, guilty. And that's a heavy thing. And I'm glad it doesn't end there because, boy, that'd be depressing. But verse 21 says, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is manifested or revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Oh, guess what? The law and the prophets, they testify of this righteousness that God accepts. It's not a righteousness that comes from keeping the law. 
even the righteousness of God, which is by faith. The righteousness, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, let's go on, and I want you to drop down to chapter 4. Chapter 4 in Romans, Paul starts out, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? Paul is speaking about Abraham, the father of the Jews. If Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Let's talk about Abraham's faith. For what saith the Scripture? In verse 3, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. In other words, Abraham believed God's word, and by that faith, God declared Abraham to be righteous. It wasn't a work that Abraham, it was nothing that Abraham did as a work to merit favor with God. He simply did what? He believed God's word. What is faith? Remember our simple definition of faith way back at the beginning of Hebrews? Faith is what? It's believing God's word. And throughout history, salvation has always been by faith. For by grace are ye saved through what? Faith. Believing God's word. Abraham believed God, and God declared Abraham to be righteous. Now, let's go down to verse 11 in Romans chapter 4. It says there in the middle of the verse that he might be the father of all them that what? That believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. We think of Abraham as the father of the Jews. But the scriptures describe Abraham as the father of all them that what? Believe. Even those who are not Jews, who are the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. Down in verse 16, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only, or not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Talk about Abraham being justified by faith. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. Children of Abraham. Or we might call it the spiritual seed of Abraham. Those who have the same faith. Faith. Both of these passages describe Abraham being declared righteous by faith. But I want you to note Hebrews 11. In verse 8, by faith, 
Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. In this passage, the emphasis is not on Abraham being justified by faith. What is the emphasis? The emphasis here in this passage is how Abraham lived after he was declared to be righteous by faith. By faith, Abraham lived in a way that pleased God. And remember what the Scripture tells us here in Hebrews 11, but without faith, verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. You cannot please God without faith. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You cannot please God without faith. Abraham pleased God, and he walked by faith. And so in the passage here before us in Hebrews 11, we're not talking about Abraham being justified by faith. We are talking about him living by faith, walking by faith. And in doing so, that pleased God. And in James 2, verse 23, James said, And Abraham was known as the what? The friend of God. Wow, what a title, the friend of God. I want us to note here the passage, beginning of verse 8, we've read it. And what do we see? Abraham, he is going to act by faith. Faith deals with the future. Faith deals with the unseen. And God calls Abraham to go to a place that he'd never been before. Get up and go. It'd be like you this morning, hearing from God. God says, I want you to pack up your family, leave your job, get everything together. I want you to leave all your relatives, and you are to go to Latvia. What did you say? Where? Okay. Uh, believe me, that's a place I don't know anything of. Okay. And Abraham couldn't Google Canaan. Uh, you know, it wasn't like, well, let's check this out and see where the local amenities are. Uh, no, but... He was called of God, and he obeyed. Let's look first at this call, because I find it interesting. Abraham was called. Who called him? God did. Who was Abraham? I mean, there were people all over the face of this earth back then. Who was Abraham? What made him special? Why did God choose Abraham? Well... In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2, <clears throat> Joshua 24 and verse 2, we learn something about Abraham and about his, his relatives. Joshua 24 verse 2 says, And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nacor, and they what? They served other gods. So, who was Abraham? Was he this special, godly guy that God just looked down and said, you know, about all the people on the earth, I kind of like this guy, Abraham. He's spiritually minded. He, he loves me, and he's walking with me, and he'll be a credit to my name. No. 
God looked down and he chose Abraham because God decided to choose Abraham, not that there was anything good in Abraham. In fact, Abraham was lost. He was an idolater, an idol worshiper. But God called him. And I want us to note his call. If you go back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12. Now we're going to turn to a couple passages, so I hope your fingers will be a little bit nimble. In Genesis 12, we read of this call of Abraham. And we need to look just a couple of verses prior to chapter 12. So I want you to look back, if you're chapter 12 of Genesis, look back the last couple of verses of chapter 11. This is our introduction, the first time that Abraham is mentioned. Of course, he's mentioned by his name Abram before he was called Abraham. Verse 27, it gives his lineage. Terah was Abraham's father. Abraham is a son of Terah. In verse 29, we read about him taking a wife, Sarai. In verse 30, Sarai was barren. She had no child. And then note verse 31. Watch this carefully. And Terah, that's Abraham's father, Terah took Abraham, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son. So it's his grandson, Lot. And Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. Now, if you had a map, you could look where the Ur of the Chaldees is. It's kind of where the Tigris and the Euphrates are come together down towards the Persian Gulf there. It's about where Babylon was. He leaves Ur of the Chaldees with his father, his nephew Lot, his wives, and they travel. And where are they headed? They're headed to Canaan. What's Canaan? It's the promised land. And then they stop up here at Haran, and they stay there. They dwelt there in Haran, and the days of Terah were 205 years, and then Terah died in Haran. And then we see Abraham and Lot move on down into Canaan. Canaan was the promised land. Note verse 12, I mean chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said... Unto Abram, get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Now, this is interesting. Acts chapter 7. I told you we're going to bounce back and forth here. Acts chapter 7. What's going on in Acts chapter 7? Stephen is preaching. He's giving his final message. He didn't even get to give the invitation. They drug him out and stoned him. Okay, But this is Stephen's sermon that he gives 
to these religious leaders, the council there at Jerusalem. Chapter 7, Then said the high priest, Are these things so? And he said, Men and brethren and fathers, hearken. And then he gives an account of the history of the Jews. He says, The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, that's the Ur of the Chaldees, before he dwelt in Haran. And said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein ye now dwell. And he gave him none inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to a seed after him, when as yet he had no child. So what do we see here? God appeared to Abraham when he was in the Ur of the Chaldees. And then it says that Terah, his father, took him and Lot and left to go to Canaan. Who had God appeared to? He had appeared to Abraham, not his father. And in chapter 12 of Genesis, the Lord did not reappear to Abraham when he was in Haran and remind him. It says there in chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram. When had God spoken to Abram? Back when he was in the earth at the Chaldees. I don't know the exact number of years that he dwelt in Haran, but he started out and then they stopped. But he hadn't separated from his father or his kindred, had he? No, they were still with him in Haran. And his father died. And then Abraham, he remembers what God had promised him, and he heads into Canaan, the promised land. Now, that's just that's interesting kind of by way of historical note, what to see, how it happened, and the order in which it took place. The point being, though, is what Hebrews is telling us is that Abraham was called by God to leave everything and to go to a place he'd never been before. And what happened? Well, he obeyed. He believed God. And the evidence of his belief was what? Obedience. Obedience. We just sang that song. Trust and what? Trust and obey. Trust and obey. We've talked about this before. Obedience. Obedience. It's more important than understanding. In fact, it is primary to understanding. When God called Abraham, did God explain everything about the promised land to Abraham? No. In fact, He called him to go out into a place that he didn't know of. And what did Abraham do? Abraham did say, well, you know, God, let's, let's, let's be reasonable, reasonable about this. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm married. It's, I'm, I'm not single anymore. I just can't just get up and go. And, you know, I, I'm going to have to answer some questions to Sarah. She's going to really want to know, well, where are we going? You know, are, are, is there going to be a... 
place to live. Uh, you gonna have a job, insurance, you got everything covered? I, you know, I want security here, Abraham. You better clear this up. And, no, what did Abraham do? Abraham obeyed. Obedience is crucial to understanding. When we obey, then we understand. But if we do not obey, we will never understand. And that's why the Bible talks about the fool. The fool is one who refuses to obey and has no understanding. Understanding comes as a result of what? Obedience. What do we teach our children? We teach them at an early age to what? Obey. I don't start out teaching my children to understand. I'd have never had number two if I'd have done that. I'd still be trying to get stuff through number one's head. No, what do you teach the children when they're born? You teach them from early on, obey, obey. And if you will obey, you'll live long enough to understand why I'm giving you these commands, why I'm instructing you in this way. But the fool doesn't obey and never understands. So here's Abraham, and by faith, what did he do? It says he obeyed, and he went, not knowing where he was going. He'd never been there. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. So we see here the call of God. God gave him direction. Go that way. I want you to go. I'm going to lead you to the land of Canaan. What's there? Never been there. He didn't know. But he went. Abraham obeyed. And then I want us to note this. In verse 9, by faith, not only did he obey and go, but by faith he sojourned in the land of promise. Now, let me ask you this. We're looking at Abraham's faith. We're looking at the response of faith to God's directions. How does faith respond to God's directions? How does faith respond to God's directions? Well, what about when they seem unreasonable? I mean, really, is it reasonable just to get up, get, leave your hometown, leave your family, leave your nine to five or whatever you're doing, your job, and just go. I mean, God said, get up and go to a place and I'll give it to you for an inheritance. Uh, can I get that in writing? Uh, you know. <laughs> How does faith respond to God's directions when they seem unreasonable? But, but what about when I don't understand? Well, how about when the results don't happen in my time frame? Ah. So let's go on and look at Abraham. Here we go. So he goes. He goes to Canaan. And ta-da, there it is. The, the gates swing open, the mansion, it's all there. And Abraham lived happily ever after, right? No, it's not what it says. It says, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise. Do you know what it means to sojourn? It means to be a stranger. It means to be a pilgrim. It means to be an alien. 
wait a minute. I thought you said God was going to give the land to him. Didn't God promise he was going to give that land to him? Yes, he did. But here's Abraham sojourning in the land that was supposed to be his. There's other people there. Hey, off my property. You know, this is mine. No, he, he dwelt in a tent. He sojourned. He was an alien. He was a stranger in the land that God promised him. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange or a foreign country. Dwelling in tabernacles, which is a glorified word for tent. Dwelling in tents with Isaac. Not only Isaac. Isaac dwelt in a tent. And Jacob, his grandson, dwelt in a tent. Listen, you know, if you're going to go to a place that you're going to get for your own property, what are you going to do? Hey, I want to build a house. I want something permanent here. Let's, let's, let, let's get some deep roots and settle down. Establish ourselves. And no, that's not what happened. He dwelt in tabernacles and tents with Isaac and Jacob, and they were heirs of the very same promise. God gave them the same promise. And verse 10 says, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. We'll get to that in a little bit here. But here's Abraham. He's living as an alien. He is sojourning. He... He didn't stay permanently in one place. In fact, as you read the account, he journeys south to this. He goes here. He goes there. Famine comes in the land. He goes down to Egypt. God didn't tell him to go there, but he went there. And of course, while he was there, who did he pick up? Hagar. Uh, he comes back up. He's moving around. You know, if there's anything I don't like, it's moving. I'm not kidding. I can't think of anything else more afflicting than moving. I moved here in 1996 with everything I owned in my Honda Accord. And then in 2011, was it, or 2012, something like that, we moved with nine kids, a wife and nine kids, and all those possessions into another house. And it took forever. It was horrible. And I thought, I would never like to move again. I don't like to move. And you know what? Abraham moved a lot. If you know you're going to be moving a lot, and you can talk to military people about this, they know about this, at least some who move more often than others, but you know, military people, how often do they move? Every two to three years, right? On average. Well, let me ask you a question. How deep are your roots going to be after about two or three years? How much stuff are you going to accumulate if you know you've got to leave in two years? Oh, man. I'm going to live out of three boxes, and that's it. I am not prepared to move anywhere right now, okay? You know, what happens is if you're moving often, you don't tend to carry so much baggage. You tend to uh, not accumulate the things of this world to a certain degree because you know you're going to be leaving. You, you can't take everything with you. And here is Abraham. He's dwelling as a sojourner. He is dwelling in tents in the land that he was promised, living as an alien, a stranger. And that word is actually used down in verse 13. Look down in verse 13 of Hebrews 11. I love this verse. 
I really do. These all died in faith. Not having received the promises. Hmm. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Did that make God a liar? Did that make what God said untrue? How would you like it if I promised you something? Made this grand and glorious promise to you. And so you believed me, and you went along with the plan. And you faithfully pursued the plan, and then you never got what I promised you, and you died. Well, note this verse. These all died, what? In faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And were persuaded of them or convinced what is faith. It is the substance of things hoped for, the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. They were convinced. And they died still convinced. Abraham was not on his deathbed saying this to Isaac. (laughs) You know, Isaac, I'm about to die. You know, God gave me some promises. and Isaac, well, unfortunately, they never came true. It's too late for me, Isaac, but good luck. Was that how he died? No, he died in faith, believing. Believing what? Believing what God had promised. Having seen it afar off, it says here, and being persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That word strangers is the Greek word xenos, from which we get the word xenophobia. Okay? He was a xenos. He was a stranger. He was someone who really didn't fit in, didn't belong. He was an alien. He was an outsider. But he's not just talking about Abraham there. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them, did not let them go and confessed that they didn't belong here. Well, wait a minute. I thought God promised him the land there, but he says he didn't belong here. What's going on? Well, you got to keep reading. Fortunately, I can't give you all of this today. You're going to come back next week and the week following for more of this. But look what it says. Verse 14, they that say such things declare plainly that they're looking for something else. They're seeking a country that's not here. Oh, what does the eye of faith see? Folks, the eye of faith does not see Canaan Across on the other side of the Mediterranean, you can go there today and see it. That's not what the eye of faith sees. What was Abraham looking for? He was looking for a city not made with hands, whose builder and maker was God. Well, how do you look for something like that? By faith? 
For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is an heavenly, a permanent one, a glorious country. And look at what it says next. This is great. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. And guess what He's prepared for them? A city, a place of belonging, a community where they are no longer strangers. That, my friends, is the promised rest of Hebrews 7. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. That's the city that Abraham was looking for. He did not find it in Canaan. It wasn't there. And it's still not there. It's not Jerusalem. It's not Tel Aviv. It's not Ashkelon. It's not any of those cities over there. It's an eternal home in the heavens. It's a city that God has prepared. I can tell you something. What city would you like to live in if you could have your pick today? I'll pay for your move. You pick the best city you can find. What? I tell you what, they're looking sorrier and sorrier the more we go along, you know? You pick a place with no police, right? Okay. Anyway, but, you know, what is God doing? He's prepared for us a city. A city where we're no longer aliens. A city where we're not strangers. We're not pilgrims. We sing that song, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I would, kind of has a catchy little silly tune, but it's got a great truth. This world is not our home. Do not let your roots grow deep here because you're going to be uprooted. And Abraham here, by faith, by faith, Abraham, when he was called of God to go somewhere he knew nothing about, he obeyed and he went, not knowing where he was going. He obeyed. And then when he went and he got there, it didn't say, welcome Abraham. Here's your home. He wandered. In fact, remember what, remember what Stephen said in Acts chapter 7? I mean, think about this. What did Abraham promise? God said, I'm going to give you this land for an inheritance. And in verse 5 of chapter 7, Stephen says this. It says of God, he says, and he gave him none inheritance in it. Shock. What? I thought God said he was going to give it to him for inheritance. It says, and he gave him none inheritance in it. No, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for possession and to his seed after him. His seed? Abraham? 
You mean the guy with no kids? That Abraham? You mean Abraham and Sarah? Yep. God's promised to make him a great nation? Ha! <laughs> guy's 85, still no kids. And he's going to have all this land for possession? Well, you know, last time I went down to City Hall, Abraham doesn't have a title in there anywhere. Oh, no, yes, he does. But it wasn't what God gave him. It was a burial plot that he bought from the children of Mamre to bury Sarah, his wife, when she died. That's all he owned in all of the land that God promised him. He had actually purchased a small Machpelah, the cave there of Machpelah and the, and the field that went with it. That's all he owned when he died. But he died in faith. May I tell you something about faith? Faith doesn't die. Faith doesn't die. And what is this book about? Being faithful to the faith. The theme of this book, be faithful to the faith that Christ has finished. Be faithful. Be thou faithful unto death. Abraham believed. He died not doubting. He didn't lay on his deathbed and think, you know, let me go back through this. I think God missed a few things. He promised me there. I didn't know. He died in faith. And what was he looking for? He was looking for something eternal. He died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. He saw that God would fulfill them. He knew God was going to be faithful to His promise. And indeed, He was faithful. And of course, God revealed to him as he obeyed, as you read through Genesis, and God appeared to him at different times, that God would let him know what was going to happen. He talked about the, his seed going into a strange land, referring to you know, their bondage in Egypt, but then coming back to that land. And God did. He gave it to them. How does faith respond to God's directions? What about when they seem unreasonable? How does faith respond to God's directions when you don't understand? Remember this. God has never, in His Word, required you to understand everything he has said. I'm thankful for that because I'd fail. But God has required that I believe his word. You can believe that which you cannot understand. You know, when I got saved, did I understand everything about salvation? Absolutely not. I still don't understand it all. But let me tell you something. I've grown in my understanding of salvation I mean, quantum leaps from where I began. I'm glad I didn't have to know everything I know now about salvation to be saved. But what does God say? He says, call on me. Call on my name. I'll answer you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How does faith respond to God's directions when I don't understand? But how about, listen, this is the big one. How about when the results don't happen? in your time frame. Mm -hmm. We pray. 
and we don't get the answer that we're looking for. So we don't think God has answered our prayer. So what do we do? How does faith respond to God's directions? Listen, God has given us His directions. It's in His Word. If you don't know what God's directions are, then you better get in His Word because He has given directions. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. It's right there. And if you don't know it, believe me, you cannot stand before God and plead ignorance. Just like the police officer pulls you over and says, do you know how fast you're going? Uh, why do they ask that question? He already knows. I was going as fast as your radar detector said, officer. <laughs> you're right, you were. Uh, how fast are you? Do you know what the posted speed limit is? And you know what? It doesn't matter if you say, well, yes, I do. Or no, I didn't. You're still getting a ticket. Because ignorance is not an excuse. Okay? Folks, ignorance of God's word is not an excuse. God has given us directions. He has given, given us all that we need for life and godliness. It's here. And how does faith respond to God's directions? Number one, you've got to know what they are. You better be in His Word. But number two, you better obey. You obey. Even when you don't see how it's going to work out, you obey. And that's trust. That's faith. I just love that. Where it says, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. They're looking for something else. Folks, I hope every one of you is looking for something beyond this world. If your goals are tied to the things of this world and the materials of this life, you're a fool. You are a fool. And the Bible says that, not me. You had better set your life goals and your ambition on what? On the kingdom of God. You seek first the kingdom of God. That's what Abraham was doing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Did Abraham lack? No. God blessed Abraham. But what was Abraham looking for? He was looking for a city. Not made with hands. Whose builder and maker is God. I'll give you one other passage here I'd like you to see. Peter. Very, Peter's first epistle, chapter 1, verse 1. It's the introduction, but I want you to see how Peter addresses these people. What does he say? Depending on the version you're reading, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, and to obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. What do I want you to see in those verses? Well, in the Greek, it's the elect strangers. The elect strangers. Those whom God has called to be aliens in this world. Those whom God has called to be pilgrims. If you're a, if you're a Christian... That's you. And Peter is writing to those who don't fit in. He's writing to those who really don't belong, who don't find their fulfillment on this earth. Those are the ones that God has called to be pilgrims because He is calling them out of this world. 
And the scripture is the history, it is the testimony and the record of God choosing out of his creation a people for himself. But remember, he is calling them out. He's calling us out. We're pilgrims here. We're strangers here. So let me leave you with this. Don't be disheartened. Don't be discouraged. Don't be disillusioned when the rest of the world treats you like an alien. Because you're not supposed to fit in. The Bible says, beware when all men speak well of you. The Bible says, yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Shall suffer persecution. Yep, folks, we've been called to suffer. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for that. Listen, God blesses those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And he's promised us that. Listen, it's, it's all there. There's all his directions are right there. How does faith respond to God's directions? How are you responding? You say, well, I'm not Abraham. God's not called me to move off to some strange place. No, God's called you to live for him right now as an alien. Listen, folks, we don't fit in. And there has never in my lifetime been a more clear delineation of those who don't and can't fit in. This world is horrible. You know, we're called to be salt and light. And I've said, as I've said before, salt does not stop meat from spoiling. It simply slows down the process, but the meat is going to rot eventually. Listen, we are not going to reform this world. The culture is going to go to hell. We are not called to redeem culture. Culture is not redeemable. We're called to be salt and light to attract people to Jesus and to warn them as did Noah. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And listen, God is long-suffering. And the long-suffering of our Lord results in what? Salvation. I'm glad God was long-suffering with me. And the longer God waits, the more people He saves. But there's coming a time when judgment will fall. Just as it did in Noah's day, there was a day when the rain began to fall. But Noah had been shut up already for seven days in the ark. That's interesting, isn't it? Seven days, already safe. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tease you with that one. But Noah's safe. And it began to rain. Judgment fell. And he was safe in the ark, just as we are safe in Jesus, and Jesus is our ark. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Listen, without faith, 
It's impossible to please God. This is a chapter of people who pleased God. They were people whose, by faith, God declared to be righteous, just as he did Abraham, but there are people who walked by faith, who lived by faith, and God was pleased with them. In fact, he was so pleased with Enoch that he said, Enoch, you know, come on up. And Enoch disappeared as a young man of, what, 365 years of age, a mere child. Everybody else around him was living to 900 and some years, and he left at 365, but he walked by faith, and he, he had this testimony that he pleased God. There's no other way to please God except by faith. Believe God's Word, folks. Believe God's Word. I plead with you. I plead with myself. Listen, this isn't just me preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. Believe God's Word. And how do you demonstrate that you believe His Word? Just as Abraham did, you obey. That's the proof. So James talks about, you say you got faith, show me. Trust and obey. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this testimony, the testimony of Abraham, who, when he was called, he obeyed. And Lord, he trusted you. And what a testimony of life he had in that he even came to the end of his life, not having received the promises, but having believed them, and he died in faith. Lord, we thank you for the faith that you give us to trust you. Lord, may we grow in faith. Lord, may we please you. And Lord, may our faith respond to your direction by obedience. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.